Welcome to the American Council of Christian Churches podcast. Since 1941, Bible-believing churches holding to the great fundamental truths of the Word of God, as held by the historic Christian Church, have worked through the ACCC to earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Today's podcast is a breakout session given by Rev. Dan Greenfield at the ACCC's 2023 Annual Convention at Faith Baptist Church in Kittery, Maine. Dan is the pastor of Orwell Bible Church in Orwell, Ohio, and the executive secretary of the American Council. His session was on the subject, What the Amish Believe About Salvation. A link to a copy of the workshop notes is available in the description. I live in Orwell, Ohio, which everyone knows where that is, our small little community of 1,200 people. We moved there in 2005. There was a small group of believers that wanted to form themselves into a a church, and so they asked me to go. Um, At the time, Orwell had a few Amish families. Nearby is Middlefield, Ohio, about 20 minutes from us, and uh, well, Brother John Howard pastors in Middlefield, Ohio. Um, Middlefield, Ohio has the fourth largest um, population of Amish in the world, and as I said at the time, Orwell had a few Amish living among us. Uh, since then, the 18 years, since 2005, uh, there are Amish everywhere in Ohio. Every week there's new houses going up and new Amish schools. Um, and I appreciated how our brother began us in prayer that as a result of our time here, we will be able to be better witnesses and evangelists for the Lord Jesus Christ. So what do the Amish believe about salvation? First, some reasons for considering this subject. There is the prevalent belief that Amish are just ultra-conservative Christians. Uh, You might consider them as the special forces or the marine recon Christians. They're the real serious ones. And I hope as by going through this, you'll see that that is not the case. Number two, we are fascinated by them and sometimes easily fall into a bless-their-hearts attitude that overlooks spiritual realities. Uh, my twins uh, live down in Greenville in Anderson, South Carolina, and I used that expression down there, bless their heart, and they kind of looked at me, and I found out that that has a dual meaning. It can be a curse, and it can be an actual commendation. I mean it in a commendation aspect here. Uh, in taking pastors of a tour through our area, they see the Amish, and they say, bless their hearts, they're, they're on fire for the Lord, and Let's dig deeper into what's really going on. Number three, we must make disciples of every man. As Matthew 28, Jesus tells us in Colossians 1.28, Paul admonishes the Colossians about his apostolic ministry. A better understanding of their beliefs about salvation is helpful, especially as they use the same terminology but means something different by it. For example, the, the phrase born again. You hear that expression born again, You're thinking the new birth. They are thinking something completely different. But if you use that with them, they're thinking one thing, you're thinking another. And you need to understand that. I define a disciple here as one who believes, obeys, and bears fruit for Christ. We make disciples by bringing unbelievers face-to-face with the gospel message, calling for repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, baptizing and adding believers to the church, and teaching believers to obey the Christian faith in the context of a local church. A fourth reason for considering this subject is we are sometimes branded as being Amish because of conservative practices, but too often this label is ignorantly applied, much like legalist is. I have had this online discussions. Um, You might say, why bother having online discussions? Well, when somebody calls a fundamentalist an Amish, I like to get on there and say, well, tell me about your experience with the Amish. And it's purely from an external standpoint that they really don't understand. Some recommended resources, number two. Uh, first five books, or six books I'd like to recommend to you. John Hostetler's Amish Society. This is a very helpful book. He grew up Amish and so has a personal knowledge of their beliefs and way of life. His sociological analysis does come through, but that does not take away from the value of the book. Don Crable uh, has written a number of books on the Amish. He uh, is a teacher in Anabaptist uh, theology and history. 
His work is helpful and a good complement to Hostetler, but his sociological analysis sometimes go too far, in my opinion. Nevertheless, to get as full and accurate a picture of Amish as possible, you need to read both uh, Hostetler and Crable. Stephen Nolt's A History of the Amish is the standard Amish history. Donald Crable, Stephen Nolt, and David Weaver Zer Zer Zercher. This is an account of the 2006 Nickel Mines school shooting. Do you remember that? Okay, you remember that. And so they give a helpful description of the Amish way of life. It is a fairly detailed account, so I would not recommend it for younger readers. Uh, the same authors wrote The Amish Way, Patient Faith in a Perilous World, gives an excellent explanation and description of what Amish believe and what that looks like in their life and culture. The Amish Way interprets distinctive practices of Amish spirituality in their cultural context and explores their relevance for the wider world. Ira Wagler, growing up Amish. I became uh, aware of Ira through his blog. Uh, he writes weekly on his blog about 10 years or so ago. Excellent writer. He wrote this book, Growing Up Amish. I would highly recommend it. It's easy to read, and it gives you an excellent understanding of Amish life, culture, and their views of salvation in church and how all that works out. Eric Wesner's blog, AmishAmerica.com, a wealth of information. He's visited over 70 Amish communities, met over 5,000 Amish families. But if you don't like to read, there's always the six-part DVD series, My Amish Story, here. Uh, it gives a very good introduction and overview of Amish by former Amish who were born again and were either shunned or left. I would recommend that to you. Just keep in mind, when you get to the last DVD, uh, their expression of evangelical Christianity is not one that I uh, agree with entirely, but they do give an excellent walkthrough of Amish history, theology, and, and so on. Page two, a general history of the Amish. Amish trace their history to Anabaptism. So we needed to do some history. And we have Reformation Sunday coming up. If you don't have anything prepared yet, maybe for Sunday school, or an evening or afternoon service, this is something you might be able to use. You need to put some more flesh on these bones. But the history of Anabaptism, you had Protestant reformers, Martin Luther, Ulrich Zwingli, John Calvin, believed in the uniting of church and state and infant baptism. A group sought to reform the reformers, particularly in regard to these two areas of uniting the church and state and infant baptism. They became known as Anabaptists, meaning rebaptizer because they had been baptized in infants in the Catholic Church. Uh, I list some important Anabaptists there. You might recognize some of these names. Conrad Grebel, uh, Thomas Munzer, Balthazar Hubmeyer, Jacob Hutter. Remember that name, Hutter. We're going to come across some folks called the Hutterites. They're uh, following his train. Menno Simons, uh, Dirk Phillips. Uh, there's an interesting story of Dirk Phillips. He was being uh, chased by... Um, persecutors crossed a river, and his persecutor fell in the ice, fell in the water, and was drowning. Uh, Dirk rescued him, was subsequently arrested by the guy, and then Dirk was put to death. It's a sad story. Um, Meadow Simon's complete works, and... Uh, Phillips there, who is he? Dirk Phillips and Shridian are today still read by Amish and Mennonites. Now, when I write that, that's a very overview statement there. Do not think that every Amish home has these works in there and they read them. They don't, okay? Uh, there are various levels and uh, commitments amongst the Amish as there are in our groups, all right? Number four, Anabaptists were denounced and persecuted for over two centuries, not only by Roman Catholics, but by Luther, Zwingli, and Calvin, Tens of thousands were put to death. As they fled persecution, they became farmers, living by themselves, separate from others. So, number five especially, remember, because we think of the Amish and we think of what occupation? Farming. farming. Even though very few Amish make their living by farming nowadays. They can't do it. They live by themselves or separate from others. What would be some characteristics of Anabaptists? This is Anabaptists. We have adult baptism. The church is a covenant community. Exclusion of unrepentant members from communion, non-resistance, and the rejection of violence, the refusal to swear oaths, they're separate socially from the world. There are four groups of Anabaptists that exist today. There are Mennonites, 
Hutteran brethren, the Hutterites. The Hutterites live uh, like uh, the, the Saskatchewan, Alberta area. There's some in north central um, the states, um, Montana, somewhere around there. Um, none really around me, no Hutterites. But then we have Amish and then the brethren. Those are the four main branches of Anabaptists. Two important documents there, the Slidem Articles, the Dortrecht Confession. Then we come to Jacob Amon. This is who Amish are named after. Not much is known about him. He was a farmer, tradesman, probably a tailor. He was an elder in the Alsace, Switzerland, and the founder of the Amish wing of Anabaptism. We then have a break. Amon, Jacob Amon, disagreed with some Swiss Mennonite elders about the following issues. The observance of communion. Amon felt it should be twice a year instead of just one time a year because twice a year would provide greater discipline over members' lives instead of just once a year. Um, Amon, Amon felt there should be greater emphasis on the maidung, the social avoidance or the shunning, and then also the ordinance of foot washing should be added. So you had baptism, the Lord's Supper, and foot washing. And so Amon didn't get his way and see he ordered the other elders and churches to hold to his views and when they didn't he excommunicated them. Amon had a real uh, power thing going on. Um, I don't know if I reference this. I don't think I do. No, I don't. So as an aside, Amon, after some time, wanted to get together, get back together with the Mennonites. And to show his sincerity uh, wanted to welcome them back in. They didn't, adhe they didn't want to follow, and so Amon said, okay, I'll, I'll excommunicate myself from the church to show that I'm genuinely repentant, and they still didn't go. So I don't know how that worked out. How do you excommunicate yourself? Uh, I'm just not sure they're taken. Any years to anchor these things in? When did these things happen? We're going to see the okay. chart down at the bottom there real quick. Yep, that's okay. And don't, don't hesitate to ask a question, okay? Uh, some later issues were wearing traditional simple clothing, no trimming of the beard, and no wearing fashionable clothing. There are no Amans among the Amish today. What last names do you think of when you think of Amish? Yoder, Hostetler, Stolfus, Miller. Okay, those are the names. You, you will not find a single Amon among them. Um, as well, the Amish people today regard themselves as Anabaptist or Wiedertafter, and most, uh, and most know nothing of Amun. Though Amun's, through Amun's influence, however, they added foot washing, simple <laughs> grooming styles, and social avoidance to the earlier basic Swiss tradition of brotherly love and brotherly union embodied in the Schleidem Articles. The Amish migrated to America primarily during two periods uh, that I list there. They primarily migrated to escape oppression in Europe. There are no Amish in Europe today. They're found, they're found only in North America. Um, so you see a, a chart there. We have Catholicism on the left. The break with, that became the Protestant Reformation in 1517. Uh, eight years later, you had this, the Swiss uh, Alton Anabaptist. And then 1693... To answer your question, Tegan, the, the break there with the Mennonites and the Amish in 1693. Did those happen simultaneously? Mennonites and Amish? Well, the, the Amish, remember, Jacob Amon disagreed with the Mennonites. Right. And that break happened in 1693. Mennonites went their way, Amish went their way. Okay? okay. Um, the reason I asked, yeah. I just talked about Mennon Simmons this last Sunday. Okay. And a guy asked, which came first, the Mennonites or the Amish? I said, I'm pretty positive the Mennonites. Yes. Did. He disagreed, so. No. That's why Jacob Amon was part of the Mennonite That's branch, yeah. of okay. the Mennonite branch of Anabaptism. So you had, you just had Mennonite branch, right. and then you broke off into some of the others there. Yeah, yeah. Any other questions on history? Because we're going to get on beliefs and traditions. Okay, uh, page four. What are the basic beliefs and traditions of the Amish? It is important to understand from the Amish standpoint what they believe and how they view themselves. What are their fundamental values? What do they see as their end and goal? And Hostetler has some excellent uh, 
word on this that I'm dependent on. So these fundamental beliefs keep Amish life and society together. First of all, there's the church community. The church community. The Amish view and understand themselves to be the church. Every aspect of their life is looked at from that perspective. And that goes from their bi-weekly services to the color of the ladies' dresses. Uh, you could also add in there men's suspenders. Amish do not wear belts. They wear suspenders. The various communities' rules, are those suspenders straight or do they cross? Depends on the bishop's decision. If your bishop says straight suspenders and you want to really go worldly, you cross your suspenders, that is a church violation. You're subject to excommunication. That's because everything is wed together here. Letter B, the church is made up only of those who believe in the Amish way and are baptized. The church is to be separate, completely different from the world. The church is to pursue, promote, and pursue, preserve purity among its members. And Amish do not view salvation from the, this is an important one, they do not view salvation from the perspective of the individual, but from the perspective of the community. Their lives do not aim for personal salvation, but the building of their community. This is important to remember, and maybe circle this. I'll, I'll reemphasize it a couple times. We think of salvation, I must be born again. They're not thinking that way. Then there's separation from the world. Amish are to be separate from the desires, intent, and goals of worldly people. One Amish leader said, if you're not Amish, you're English, and you're part of the world. Uh, if you're familiar with Amish culture, there's Amish and English. What else are English called by the Amish? Yankees. Yankees. Okay, we are Yankees. If someone leaves the Amish and goes to the English, there's an expression for that. You've been yanked over. That's the expression there. Letter B. The two most frequently quoted passages among the Amish sum up the message of the Bible from their perspective. Romans 12, 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. In 2 Corinthians 6.14, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers that we have heard uh, several times already. Letter C. Separation is applied to all social contacts outside their community. Outside their community. To fail to be separate from non-Amish would result in destroying their community, and, which is their aim and purpose. Um, that was somewhat confusing there. Okay, their aim and purpose is to be separate. That's what I meant there, not to destroy community. <laughs> All right, Stan. I got a question. Yeah. Does that mean they frown on Amish people befriending English people? It's going to depend on the community. Where I'm at, it's a fairly liberal Amish community. So befriending is in quotes, I would say. Um, you're not going to do a lot of buddy-buddy thing. But they're friendly. Um, they wouldn't be able to come over for dinner. Sure they would. Yeah. But there's going to be some hedges up and walls. Yeah. Were they yeah. allowed to come to your house for dinner? Yeah. Okay. Yep. And yep. they want your business. I'm sorry? And they want your business. Yeah, they want your money. <laughs> they want your money. <laughs> yeah. And you had said earlier, so if they get yanked, uh -huh. then you're, you've been taking them in? and helping them to get a social security card and all that? If, when right. you say they're yanked or Yankees, that means they were We'll get to that. Okay. Yeah. Keith. Now, where we get into this or not, but how do they explain the inconsistency of using things like diesel motors? We'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> yep. Or riding in cars or hiring Amish taxis. Yeah. I do have questions about Isaiah, yeah. Did they ever, they ever disclaim the more... Uh, radical forms of early in Baptism, like Munster and things like that. I don't what know. Do I would think that they would because they're uh, pacifists. Good, yeah, that was a good part of what the reformers had against the Baptists. Yeah, those. yeah. But they, they would tend to lump them all together, you know. All Anabaptists are bad, so wipe them <laughs> off the map. <laughs> yeah. They probably Mark? this, but do they have their own Bibles to read? Do they read the Bible themselves in their homes or... They will have uh, Amish, excuse me, books that Amish will have in their 
uh, homes would be a German Bible, which most of them can't read German, uh, possibly a King James, um, their hymnal, uh, which the name is escaping me, I know this. What's their hymnal name, John? Okay. And um, there's also a book of, we, we're familiar with Fox's Book of Martyrs. They have a version of that uh, for Anabaptists as well. Um, so those would be, but yes, they would have Bibles. Yeah. But not the Bible, not God's Bible. Yeah, they would have a King James translation like what's in front of you right now. Yeah. Uh, where did I stop? Letter C, yeah. Okay, letter D. Separation from the world controls and colors their entire view of life. And this is, their separation from the world is the basis for not taking part in violence, war, self-defense, defending their possessions, bearing arms, taking oaths, or holding public office. Um, a question I am asked frequently is, do Amish vote? Uh, many have the concept that they don't pay taxes, which is false. They do pay taxes. Uh, they have to. They own property. Um, they do not accept Social Security. They have their own way of covering that. Uh, do Amish vote? Usually not. I will say that uh, in the 20, 2020 election, I could not believe it, but I saw, well, how can I say it because this is recorded? Well, I'll just say it. Um, I saw Trump signs and bumper stickers on buggies sometimes. <laughs> I was like, what in the world? <laughs> they were young people's buggies who weren't in the church yet, and we will get to that. Amish adults in the church would not do that. But I did know that some did vote in that one, but that typically that's not the case. Uh, the view of baptism, number three. For Amish, baptism signifies repentance, total commitment to the church community, and becoming an adult. Page five. Yeah. How do they define repentance then? Um, we're going to get to that in the next points here, because I'm going to walk through a baptism service from the Amish. So, top page five. Uh, page five. Top page five. One can only be baptized by choosing to receive the necessary preparatory instruction. This instruction is based on the Dortrecht Confession of Faith. And it gives teaching on a right relationship with God and a right attitude toward the community. Um, so, at baptism, the individual says, It is my desire to be at peace with God and the church. He is then asked three questions. Can you renounce the devil, the world, and your own flesh and blood? So there's that idea, Keith, of repentance. Okay? Can you commit yourself to Christ and his church and to abide by it and therein to live and die? And in all the order, the ordnung of the church, according to the word of the Lord, be obedient and submissive to it and help and to help therein. After baptism, the bishop says, May the Lord God complete the good work which he's begun in you and strengthen and comfort you to a blessed end through Jesus Christ. Amen. At baptism, the Amish make a vow to unquestionably accept the church's values and to believe in their religion and way of life entirely for their own sake. I'll stop here a minute. What's How this works out is what the church says is you do it. You do not ask questions. It is what we do because we're Amish. Letter E. We'll stop for our questions in a second here. Parents generally do not have to pressure their children to do this as it is considered the normal and expected thing to do. From church, I'm sorry, from birth, children are taught this. One cannot be married unless he's baptized. And so while the actual baptism may not be significantly different from other Christian groups, the primary difference is the intention to maintain the rules and order, the regal und ordnung, until death. One bishop said, It seems to me that every person should stay in the church where he's baptized. He should never leave that group uh, if he once makes a vow. Um... I think I have something else on marriage here. But any questions on their view and practice of baptism up to this point? So do they, 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 they immersion? Do they immersion? Uh, no, it's, uh, I think it's sprinkling. It's either sprinkling or pouring. So I understand, but there's no mention of 
relationship with Christ, receiving None. Christ. Correct. That. Right. All church oriented, church allegiance. Yes, I'm going to get into more even yeah. of of the doc, of their doctrine of salvation in quotes. So it almost sounds cultish. <laughs> I want to push pause. <laughs> Hold on one second. Um, yes. Um, I have a good missionary friend in Thailand, and I walked through this with him once, and he says, this sounds like a lot of Buddhists he knows. Same could be said about Roman Catholicism. It's a works religion, essentially. ultra-right Mormons. Yeah. Yes, sir. Did you, okay. Yeah. Well, they were... I'm sure they would call it baptismal regeneration. Is that basically in their concept of regeneration? It does not regenerate. Baptism regeneration. Remember, what they think about born again is different from even that. Before baptism, are you not part of the Amish community? Correct. You're not formally. And we'll get into that in a little bit. Young people and not being part of the church. and yeah. Keith? So commit to Christ is in their mind not confessing uh, not as we think of it okay. not as what the Bible teaches at that right yeah oh. so do they believe that Jesus was born in those they, they believe in the fundamental doctrines of Christianity yeah and then when yeah. it says to the vow of baptism it signifies so they repented of their sins mm-hmm. um, total but it's total commitment to the church community mm-hmm. not total commitment to God if, if you're committed to God, you're committed to the church community. They're one and the same. And then they have to become an adult to do? To, you have to be an adult. Which is 20. 18. 18. Yeah, that's usually the earliest. And then marriage. Um, no, no sexual relations until marriage. Correct. Yep. Well, that's what's supposed to happen. Yeah. But it does. Yeah. Number four. The ordnung and tradition. The ordnun means order. These are the regulations that order every aspect of Amish life, the code of conduct of the way things are supposed to be because God intended it that way. This creates a culture that is different from the world. All Amish know the Ordnung, and it is not usually written down. It is caught more than taught, absorbed in the course of everyday life. Daily household routines instill in children the virtues of the Ordnung without relying on lectures, sermons, or written lists of rules. The Ordnung makes clear what is worldly and sinful, is sometimes supported from Scripture, often not. Regulations without scriptural support must be obeyed, because doing otherwise is worldly, proud, and independent. Quote, the old way is the better way. (laughs) Or, we've never done it that way before. Number five, it's agreed upon by the church twice a year before communion. It restricts self-expression for the betterment of the community. It gives order, tidiness, and unity, so there's no personal pride in distinctions. Have page six. Some examples of practices ordered, you must do these on the Ordnung, is the color and style of clothing. Uh, if you've gone to any Amish communities and different Amish communities, you might note that the ladies have different colored dresses than in your Amish community. That's part of the ordnung. Or the hat styles for men and women as well. Uh, the Lancaster Amish ladies have kind of a heart-shaped uh, cap. Uh, ours is more round where we're at. The order of the worship services, use of horses for field work, Steel wheels on machinery. These are all necessary. You must do this. Examples of practices prohibited by the Ordnung. Air transportation. Central heating in homes. Electricity from public power lines. Jewelry, including wedding rings and wristwatches. Owning computers, televisions, radios. Owning and operating an automobile. Wall-to-wall carpeting. (laughs) Using tractors for field work and purchasing insurance. Traditions are sacred and essential to the Amish way of life. It is part of their religion to uphold and adhere to the traditions passed down to them from their forefathers, even though they may not have reasons for the tradition. That last little part is important. Do not ask them for chapter and verse on why can't I have wall-to-wall carpeting. 
that's just their church rules. Um, one question that sometimes ask is, so they can't have electricity, but they can have generators. Why is that? Electricity is a connection to the outside world. Generator, we're self-sufficient. And so that's how they get around that sort of thing. Kevin, Keith. Well, I thought you had your hand up. What you can buy, and you're on your own, though. You're not connected to the outside world. None of that is written down. None of it's written down. Well, it's, it's rarely, rarely written down. Because from birth, they're told us. This is the cap we wear. This is the color dress we have. Uh, yeah. There are some differences with it, with, with each church community. Um, I mentioned our Amish are more worldly. So our Amish use gas-powered push mowers to cut their grass. The Millfield Amish, they use the old-fashioned real mowers. They have to put the actual horsepower into it. So ours are more liberal than John's Amish. But that's just a church decision. So some Amish will have electricity, you know, electric lights in their house? No, they will not have electric lights. It'll be gas-powered. But they'll, they'll use, they'll use the, the, gap, the, the generators for, like, their washing machines, um, uh, charging their cordless circular saws, that sort of thing. A store will even have D-Wall lights yep. with batteries um, instead of those gas ones in the store, and they'll charge them separately mm -hmm. because they're not connected, as you said, to the... And it will depend on the church district. Because some bishops might say no, other bishops might say yes. Mark? How are their phone booths and cell phones working today? <laughs> well, again, it's going to depend on the bishop. No phones in the house, period. So they will have, sometimes they will have a community phone booth that they all got to use. Sometimes each house will have its own phone booth outside the house. Um, if they have cell phones, it's only for business use. Young people have cell phones. They have smartphones. They have Facebook accounts. <laughs> They're not in the church yet. As soon as they join the church, they got to get rid of their phone. Yeah. I apologize for it's okay. being late. I saw two thirty, okay. not two fifteen. So, how did and maybe I missed this? How did the Amish even start? How did it become? Yeah. We covered that on page two or three. Okay. It comes from the Protestant Reformation in 1517. There were some split-offs there. And basically they disagreed about uh, church discipline, um, some clothing styles, and things like that. Yeah. Yes, sir. Jonathan. How did they handle the lockdown edicts from the government? Well, that's one of the blessings of living in the country is... Uh, what might happen in the city as far as strictness isn't as strict in the country. So I'd encourage you all to move out to Orwell. <laughs> they, in the Amish salvage stores, you might call them uh, bent and dent stores where cans are bent and you buy them for a quarter instead of paying two fifty dollars for a can of soup. Um, they didn't wear masks until they were told you can't keep your place open unless you wear the mask. Okay. So they wore them, but they had them down here. Um, we did not have a vaccine mandate, and you're not going to get them to do that anyway. Um, they just kept on with life. They just didn't really stop. They vaccinate their children? No. No. So, that's a good thing. No. Children have died of tetanus because... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're on the Ordnung here. Any questions on that? Just to try to stay on target. All right, number five. Excommunication and social avoidance called shunning. Contemporary Amish practice of shunning is as Jacob Amon taught. Church members that are wicked and rebellious are to be excluded. There are three classes of persons who must be excluded. Those who live in open sin those who cause divisions, and those who teach false doctrine. Um, that seems pretty clear. Um, we have a family in our church where the uh, 
the, the mom, the wife, grew up as an Amish girl. Her parents were born again while members of the Amish church, and they started to encourage their Amish folks in their church to seek the scriptures and to be born again, and they were shunned, put out of the church because they were teaching false doctrine. That's not what we think of, of teaching false doctrine, is it? It's contrary to what the church is saying. Let her see. Excommunication is called the ban, and social avoidance is called maidung, or shunning. Shunning involves separation from family, friends, and neighbors. Everything they've known, loved, and depended on is now off-limits to them. During shunning, conversation can be maintained, but there's no handshaking or reception of help from the offender. Members can help offenders, but not vice versa. One under the ban can be restored to the church depending on the nature of their offense. Uh, usually they come before the, uh, the bishop at a church service, they kneel, and they confess their sin. Uh, this, letter G, this is the means by which Amish life is perpetuated and maintained. Only those who break their vow of baptism are shunned. Top of the next page, page 7. All the things involved in living the Amish way are viewed as essential uh, this is kind of a summary. So any questions on shunning before I hit that summary there? Okay. So those who live in open sin, mm -hmm. do, in other words, do, do they, are there some areas of, of, say, the Ten Commandments that they would ignore, or, or, or would they be in agreement with us as what open sin is? Immorality, yeah. Open sin. Okay. Yeah. So open sin is not... Violating your baptismal vow. Well, that'd probably be included there. Okay. Yeah, you're you're sinning when you have your suspenders crossed instead of straight, or the lady's hair isn't just right, not to the bishop's um, approval. He's saying that's worldly, and she refuses to correct it. That's pride and rebellion, open sin. So, Brad. I, I think back in the '80s or maybe even earlier. There Famous case of where somebody that was shunned took it to court. And, oh, really? But uh, Charles Bayer, B A B R, but uh, he, uh, the, the church won the case that they, huh. they, they could, that his wife and children couldn't speak to him. Huh. He had to eat somewhere separate from yeah. them in the same house. Yeah. I hadn't heard of that one. Jehovah's Witnesses, we did the same thing in them. Oh, yeah. I guess they take First Corinthians five, uh, where instead of such a one, they're not Right. They'll sit at a different table in the same house, and yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. To I don't know if it's a documentary. Is there a certain age, fourteen, fifteen, that they are to go out on their own, just to see if? We're gonna get to that. Okay. So yep. there is such a thing. Yep. Okay. Yep, that happens. And you use the word bishop. Is that what we would just call pastor, or is there? They have they have elders, deacons, and bishops. Yeah. And you know what? Let's go down that road real quick. Um, we don't... Their, their means of filling those church roles is completely different from ours. We have, as it's called, a call to the ministry. God gifts and enables men to serve, preach, and pastor. Uh, there's training involved and calling by the church and that sort of thing. Amish do not view the ministry in that way at all. When an Amish man is baptized, he also commits that if he is called upon, he will serve in that role. And when a need for somebody in one of those positions is present, what they will do is they will take a, a stack of hymnals, and they will put a slip of paper that has a Bible verse in the hymnal. And every man, they'll have enough hymnals for every man in their, their church. And every man will take a hymnal. And there's fear and trepidation because nobody wants to really be in that role because it's a lifetime thing. Uh, but if a guy, he opens it up and he's got the, the scripture, he is then ordained to the ministry for the rest of his life. And so that's how they do it there. As the, he's ordained as the... Whichever position. Yes, yes, okay. both. So That's how they do bishops as well. Yeah. So yeah. the bishop like the pastor? 
the bishop is kind of like, um, he makes the final decision. So, yeah, if you want to call him the pastor, yeah. So, um, maybe you're going to cover this, but, um, you know, they have twice, I think twice a week meetings, right? Uh, every two weeks. Every two weeks. So, they're not necessarily preaching from the Bible then, or? Yes and no. <laughs> um, I don't think I get into detail with this here. Um, i got to remember when I'm supposed to stop. Okay, we're fine. Um in the church services, they have singing. Their singing is not like our singing. Their singing is very slow, um, drawn out. It sounds weird. It's amazing. You get the idea there. That goes back to when they were persecuted. They sang that way so that people didn't know what they were singing. And the tradition is carried on. So they have the singing. Um, they will have uh, two times of preaching. One's usually shorter. The other is a bit longer. And when they, when they gather for their bi-weekly, every two weeks church gathering, um, nobody, none of the men that's leadership knows who's preaching until they get there. And then they by lot figure out who's going to preach. And as a result, you know, you've got no sermon prep. Um, most of the sermons are the same. Usually Romans 12, 1 and 2. 2 Corinthians 6, be separate, be holy, uh, don't follow those English practices, and that sort of thing. Often they'll start in Genesis and just kind of work their way through. Um, Bible reading from the German Bible, which nobody really understands, but it's just part of their tradition that they read through it. All right, top page seven, kind of a summary of number four. All the things involved in living the Amish way are viewed as essential to the process of salvation. For the Amish, salvation is found in their culture and community, not outside it. While the Amish church teaches the new birth, regeneration or born again, it is completely different from our understanding. Though they use the same biblical texts, they have an entirely different interpretation. The new birth is not viewed in terms of individual experience and freedom from the power and penalty of sin, but acceptance in and submission to the church community. To stress individual needs, experience, opinions, and views threatens the unity of the church. So you are born again through baptism, which means you're part of the church. That's what that means from an Amish standpoint. Okay? That's important to grasp. Number five, so how does this all work out? Amish religion tends to be ritualistic and non-theological. Christianity is to be lived and not talked about. Philippians 2.12 is frequently quoted, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. The old way of life sums up separation from the world. The rules and discipline of the church and their position as strangers and pilgrims in the world. As the Amish do not see salvation in terms of the individual, but his or her life in and through the community, what does working out your salvation look like? So, childhood. Children are considered sinless, as they do not know the difference between right and wrong. Though they have, an inherited sin, though they have inherited a sin nature, it is not their fault. They are not born sinners. It is the duty of the parents to teach children what is right and wrong. Through this teaching, the child sees he needs the church. The child is encouraged and taught to see that they need to choose the right way of the Amish church. Children see and are taught that every aspect of their lives is to be lived differently from non-Amish, again called Yankees or English or Yankees. The result of this careful upbringing is that children only feel comfortable among the Amish. Before a child can join the church, he must be raised and taught their way of life. Uh, one other thing you could add here, they do not, children, Amish children do not grow up being bilingual. In their Amish homes, they only speak Pennsylvania Dutch. Once they start getting into the school, and you probably know they only go through eighth grade, then they learn English. That helps even more uh, create this um, fence around Amish culture. Number two. Young adulthood to baptism. 
around the age of 16, Amish teens enter a period known as Rungspringa. Have you ever heard of that before? Okay. Or they're running around. A time when they can, note the word that I emphasize there, rebel or sow wild oats. Um, they can, but not all do. Uh, I think it's important to, to note that. Um, we sometimes have bad apples of our young people in our church. Uh, they get all the attention, and that's often the case with Amish young people too. The, the hard partiers, they get all the attention, and so you think that's what all Amish young people do. That is not the case. Um, many just want to please their parents. They want to uh, be good and that sort of thing. Letter B. During this period, the young person struggles to learn what it means to be Amish. They are neither in nor out of the church. They must work through whether they will join the church or not. The Amish see this time as a good thing. For when an Amish young person decides to be baptized and join the church, it's because he has decided to do so. He is not forced to this decision. And so young adults are urged to join the church. Top of the next page. Funerals. Funerals are times when, young, when, when church leaders especially urge young people to join the church. Death is the result of Adam's sin. Young people, when you're old enough to think about joining the church, don't put it off. Note how sin is dealt with by joining the church. My youngest daughter um, is close friends with that family that I mentioned, that uh, the parent had grown up in the Amish. And so... Uh, one of their relatives passed away. My youngest daughter had the opportunity to go to Amish funeral. She said, Dad, it was the most depressing, sad thing I've ever attended. She didn't understand a word of it because it was all in Pennsylvania Dutch and German. But the, the, the appeal was there to the young people. They're standing around the grave. Uh, it was a very uh, dark time. Uh, letter E. If an Amish person does not join the church, he is not shunned because he was not baptized and therefore did not promise to obey the ordinance. Baptism is seen as the climax of life. Before them lies romance, land, family, and community, and these things pull the Amish young person toward baptism. Outside the church is nothing they truly know or are comfortable in. It's the world completely, and it is the world completely and entirely foreign to them. Um, and then adulthood, I'll make a quick comment. Adulthood involves obedience to the ordnung, that those verbal rules, marriage and family are the expected norms, caring and serving one another. Um, one of the challenges that uh, prohibits young people, Amish young people, from leaving the Amish church one of the challenges that keeps uh, Amish adults from leaving, um, if they hear the gospel, is this pressure. When you're in the Amish community, you're told what to do with everything. Everything. Once you leave, what do I do? How do I do it? They, didn't, they did not grow up, as you and I did, of learning how to work through life. They've been told what to do, what kind of clothes to wear, what you do here, what you do then, uh, everything. And so then to leave that, the, sec the security of that, uh, for Yankee or English life, you know, they look at the trucks and they look at the good times and the partying and they see, yeah, that could be fun, but I'd be turning my back on family, everything I know, uh, be completely alone. So any questions on this? Yeah, okay, Keith. So... Um the children until they're old enough for rumspringa. Mm -hmm. If they if they were to die prior to joining the church, then then they go to heaven. Well, that I I don't know, frankly, what their belief is on that. Um, they do not have assurance of salvation. They say, "Well, I hope I do." And what yeah. about what about those who either choose not to join the church or or were old enough for Rumspringa and mm -hmm. die before they could choose. Mm -hmm. Do they go to hell in their belief? Or, or? Good question. I don't know. That's a good question. I could guess, but guessing gets you in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'll just say, I don't know. That's a Didn't think of that one before. Yes? So, you can't 
So do they accept Jesus into their heart? Do they confess No, it? no, so not it like that. They're, they're being saved when they talk about being saved or being born again. That means joining the church, becoming a full blood, full purse, full bore Amish. That's being saved. That's being a Christian. I don't understand how you can read the Bible and not determine that because they're told this. This is what it is. This, and they're just this is pounded in them from the day they're born. Almost ironic since. The original roots I mean, way back. It is. Roman Catholicism, which said salvation is only yeah. in the church. It is. And now they're saying the same thing. Correct. Yeah. Kevin. They have a clergy? No. No. Yeah, funny story there. When I moved to Orwell, I was trying to find a place for my family to live. Found a great place to rent. I called, and he asked me, so what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor. Oh, so what do you do then? <laughs> I'm paid to be a pastor. Well, Jesus wasn't paid, and I realized I got an Amish guy. <laughs> so yeah, they're no, they're not paid. <laughs> All right. Uh, summary then, number six. Amish view salvation differently than I just use this word. Hopefully, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Okay, evangelical Christians. One cannot know now if one is saved. That is pride. One will only know at the last judgment. The commands of obedience and self-denial are emphasized more than salvation by faith alone through grace alone. Christ is one who shows the way, how to live, not merely one who atones for sin. The hope of salvation is found in obeying the church and striving for harmony through church order. Thus an Amish person puts his faith in God, obeys the order of the church, and patiently hopes for the best. <laughs> Number two, the goal of eternal life is sought by conforming to a lifestyle. Salvation is defined as obedience to the community. Many Mennonites who are descendants of the Anabaptists have shifted from Anabaptism toward Protestantism with its emphasis on individual salvation as epitomized in the writings of the Apostle Paul. Um, let me stop there a second. Um, on occasion when Amish are born again and they leave the Amish church, more often than not, guess what kind of church they go to? Mennonite. Mennonite, because they're cousins, basically. And so they will go that route. Now, there is a Heinz 57 variety of Mennonites, just as there's a Heinz 57 variety of Methodists, Presbyterians, and Baptists. You'll have ultra-liberal Mennonites and ultra-conservative Mennonites. Black bumper Mennonites. I don't know if you've ever heard of that group, but they've got to paint their bumper black and all that. Uh, so I'll pick up. Two cornerstones of Amish religion doctrine are obedience to the church's teaching and separation from the world. Only members who are obedient to the church and separate from the world will receive God's blessing of peace and eternal life. These carnal beliefs funnel energy, individual energy, toward the shared goal of preserving a disciplined and distinctive community. Discipleship refers to a commitment to love the Amish community. Amish do believe in the basic doctrines of Christianity that we talked about briefly there, but they, they emphasize practice more than doctrine. Salvation is not to be viewed from an individual perspective, but from a cultural perspective, namely the Amish culture. Salvation is viewed then as a process, not an event. And in evaluation, I'm going to hit a bunch of these things that we just looked at. So how about I finish, and then we'll see if you have any more questions. Evaluation then. It can be tempting to shy away from evaluating Amish beliefs. This is probably due to a number of factors, primarily our fascination with and even admiration of them. How could we judge them? However, a few things must be kept in mind. Jesus said that there is only one way to salvation and eternal life. There cannot be two or more different ways. The Amish consciously advocate a different way. The Bible commands us, Believe not every spirit, but try or test the spirits whether they are of God. While we must judge and evaluate ourselves by the same standard, this does not free us of this responsibility. So 13 points of evaluation. 
The New Testament says one is saved by faith, not works. It is not obedience, uh, faith to the community, but to Christ. Number two, finding salvation in Christ alone is replaced with finding salvation in the church. Number three, the New Testament clearly calls for individual repentance and faith, not for maintaining a specific culture or way of life. Four, the New Testament does teach and prescribe a way of life, but it is the result of the new birth, a distinctly individual experience. So, you know, the Amish teach, you must live this way to be saved. The Bible says, you must live this way because you're saved. A significant difference there. Five, the New Testament explicitly denigrates reliance on keeping rules, evaluating such as rubbish or dung. Relying on one's identity, culture, family, attitude, and works actually work against one's salvation rather than for it. Instead, there must be complete and entire reliance on Christ's righteousness through faith rather than one's own righteousness. Six, the motivation for baptism is believing obedience to Christ, not the desire for marriage, land, family, or community. One does not gain peace with God by being baptized, but by trusting in Christ. Seven, there is biblical precedent, precedent for regulating every aspect of life and disciplining infractions of such. Such specific daily life reg regulations are found in the Mosaic Law, and Christians are not bound to them. Uh, for example, if we were to look at the, uh, uh, the clothing tag, we're probably going to have some mixed garments present among us, aren't we? Okay, whereas under the Mosaic Law, you couldn't do that. Number eight, maintaining good order, morals, and appearance are not equivalent to salvation. Romans 10.9, you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. Uh, this applies not only to Amish, but to every Christian group. External appearances do not tell the whole or even correct story. The appearance of a well-ordered, seemingly content, and happy family walking to church on Sunday morning does not mean that they have new life in Christ. I see this every two weeks in Orwell. And you probably see it too, John, when, you're, when we're driving to our church services. Amish are walking on a beautiful, sunny day. Actually, it's more like 8 in the morning, so it's before we get up, before we get to our churches. Uh, but it's easy to think, God bless them, you know, that sort of thing. Number nine, as Christians, we are to be separate from the world. And I'm going to quote my church's uh, part of our covenant here. We are to be separate from the world and our thoughts, desires, appearance, and activities, guarding ourselves against those things that are sinful, could tempt us to sin, or that do not promote or are not consistent with holiness. The command to not be conformed to this world, Romans 12.2, is based on one's right standing with God, which comes only through personal faith in Christ. Again, that's the outworking of that. It's not the reason you're saved. Number 10, the Gospels bear testimony to the fact that while tithing mint and anise and coven is essential, it is not everything, and that one can be clean from an external viewpoint, but be whitewashed tombs. 11. Most of the prescriptions of the ordinance are not biblical grounds for excommunication, but as teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. 12. To ignore or change Christ's command to preach the gospel is wrong. The Amish believe that verbal evangelism could simply not communicate the complete message of salvation. So I'll stop here. Um, old order Amish do not share the gospel. They don't pass out tracts. Uh, they don't witness and that sort of thing. New Order Amish do more of that, but you also have some car driving amongst New Order Amish and some you know, ultra-liberal tendencies <laughs> from an Amish perspective. Number 13, ironically, the Amish seem to hold to a form of universalism. Uh, universalism, is, universalism is, in the end, pretty much everybody's saved. While they hope they will have eternal life if they stay Amish, they do not believe in eternal security or assurance of salvation. They also believe that a non-Amish can be saved through non-Amish churches. But if one, uh, one born Amish leaves for a Yankee evangelical church, such have no hope of eternal life whatsoever. What I'm saying here is this. You grow up Amish, which church do you need to stay in? Amish church. That's where your hope of salvation is. They look at me, 
a Yankee. Uh, I grew up, the church that I went to, do they believe I can be saved? Yep, absolutely. But if one of their Amish leaves them and comes to me, that guy is lost. He doesn't, he's, he's condemned. He has no hope whatsoever. Okay? 